Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast presented by Zwift, the online cycling platform that makes training fun. Here for E3 Saxo Bank Classic, also formerly known as E3 Price, E3 Harel Becker, 205k. So it's about an hour shorter than Flanders, but it's a very similar race. Loads of cobbled climbs. It really kicks off with the uh, low. 2Ks, 5.1%, and there's the Kortekir, Tyenberg. They're all between 600 metres and 1,300 metres, between 4 and about 9%, the steepest of which is the Paterberg, which comes with about 40Ks to go. The, fl- the run into the finish is flat, like Flanders. So it's called a dress rehearsal. Asgren for quick step. No Philippe this year, no Tim de Klerk. He has Ballerin, Ishtibar, Seneschal, no Lampard either. Yumbo stack squad with Wout, Laporte, Teich, Benoit, Ineos, no Pidcock. Van Baal and Narvaez, their leaders. So still teams decimated by injuries. But we had more injuries and crashes before the race even kicked off. Yeah, unfortunately, Lawson Craddock fell off the podium basically. And next to that, just after the start of the race, there was another crash, I think, three kilometers into the race, where we saw that Tosh van der Sande of Jumbo was in that crash and Stefan Kuhn. Van der Sande actually ended up giving up and the team manager in the car of Jumbo said something along the lines of, it looks like it's an elbow fracture, so let's hope it's not the case, otherwise the entirety of his preseason is ending, I'm afraid. When it comes to the rest of the race, it looked like it was hard for a breakaway to form, Based on the reports we had, we only started getting visuals the second we got over La Hoop, like you mentioned, to trigger towards those climbs. And we knew the Kortekir and the Tyenberg would be coming up pretty damn soon. So I was expecting a sprint towards the Tyenberg, like last year, where Quickstep tried to uh, pull that off in some shape or form, and it worked out for them last year. And we saw multiple teams try and do that. We got towards the Kortekir with three teams trying to move towards the front, Quickstep, Trek, and Yumbo, and... I was scared. That was really nervous because I thought somebody would crash. And fortunately, nobody did. And I think that every team was kind of not completely happy with the situation before we got to the time uh, lead up towards it because we had like three riders of that team at the front, three riders of that team. And then a few spots behind, there was another three riders. But I think a team was trying to get their full team at the front. And we got towards the Kortekir, as always, typical situation on there. The tempo just stocks and we've got to move. A meme attack by Dries de Bond in pure Quinn Simmons style, like last year. Like, where do you see the point in an attack like that at that moment? Maybe he thinks he's going to get dropped on Timeberg, And if he mm-hmm. can gain 15 seconds, that's the only logical rationale for it. Otherwise, yeah, it's pointless. No one reacted to it. And I remember last year, Quickstep going past Simmons on the top base of the Timeberg. But yeah, Yumbo pretty much did the same thing. Let it out. Not as hard into the base as Quickstep did last year. Quickstep literally did a full sprint lead out with Ballerini de Klerk and Co. into the base. Yumbo didn't have as many riders. It was just yeah. Van Hoydonk controlling. And so we, they had them all lined up. Asgren's got no one around him. Into also oh, they go over the quarter key, they base of Timeberg like seventy five k's plus to go, and Waffenart launches with Laporte. Oh, I think maybe Benote in his wheel as well. Asgren deep that would be a feature of the day, and they create 
a pretty small selection straight away. So super aggressive from Yumbo, and it we never really saw as Grenade would he lean on his teammates again. Uh, but he was strong. He bridged it back. Who was the group? It was a tricky group for Yumbo yep. over the top of the time, Berg. We had Van Aert, Benoit, Laporte, Mohoric, Steven, Kung, and Asgren. So that's basically three riders of Yumbo at that point, with four riders that are considered leaders of other teams in their group right there. And we know that the breakaway was still ahead at that point with a few riders that were not necessarily part of the teams of the riders that were chasing that down. And the curious question then is, what does Yumbo do in that situation? They get over the time bed with three riders in a group of seven, a bit of a gap on the other people behind, and that gap kept expanding slowly but surely. Are they going to keep on pacing? Can they land? Can they have someone else in the group pacing that is not their team? And what do you think about that situation? It's tough. Like, they got more cooperation than I actually expected. I thought it was going to come back very, very quickly because why would Sturvin pull? He didn't. Yep. Why would Askren pull? He actually did quite a lot, um, more, way more than I expected. Maybe he was worried that Yumbo would counter or go clear. Kung was pulling because he always does. Mohoric was contributing. So <laughs> it was all looking pretty good for a time. Gap went out to 30 seconds before Eos started pacing with Roe coming back, pacing with Ben Turner, a.k.a. the clock Big Ben. And, yeah, it was tricky for Yumbo. Before we get into the next phase of the race, mention our title sponsor, Zwift. I was watching at a big day, Benji. Big mountain hike, came back, E3, onto Zwift for Tour of Watopia stage Five, the final stage, really enjoyed. Actually, people saw me in chat. I think a lot of people were watching E3 on their Friday afternoon on Zwift at the same time. If you want to check out Zwift, the online cycling platform that makes training fun, you can go to Zwift.com and get a free seven-day trial through the link in the description down below. Thanks, as always, to Zwift for supporting and being the title sponsor of the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast. Yumbo occasionally would send Benoit up the road, not really yep. Laporte. Occasionally, if people were mucking about, they'd be like, okay, Benoit, pull, um, or they'll like go clear, and he'd get marked by Germay. Germay was so reactive to all moves today. Um, but they didn't really use Laporte, yeah. I don't think. Yeah, Germay was one of the riders that bridged up on the Eikenberg um, after Ineos uh exploded the race there behind and i think Narvaez was also able to bridge up and so forth so the group was a bit bigger by that time benoit indeed kept attacking and so forth and i think that benoit then realized that well that breakaway that held on earlier i gotta make some moves here as well and we saw breakaway riders of the initial breakaway even drop at that point and try to lower the amount of people in the group to perhaps make sure that they cooperate more but the situation has changed so much on that situation where Narvaez and so on comes back that also Yumbo riders kept coming back. I think Turniston was able to bridge back to that group. And also Quickstep riders. I think Seneschal was one of the riders that also bridged yep. up a Ballerini, but he didn't hold on for too much longer after that, I think. What did you expect from that point onwards towards the upcoming uh, Paterberg-Audequarmont combo? I thought Yumbo were going to send Turniston to the front to keep it together and try and get multiple riders over the Paterberg Actually, around the Stationsburg area, I thought Wout was making a few little mistakes where just at the end of climbs, he was doing that thing where he 
just starts pulling again on the flat with Asger in the wheel. Not a full-blown attack, but yeah. like surging out of corners, got Asger in the wheel, and it was putting Mike and maybe Van Hoydonk under pressure behind. He eventually stopped that, and when you were going into the base, the Paderberg with... Yeah, with the group Grupo Intacto. I don't know what the uh, Flemish version of that is. Compacto Grupo, um, a peloton, I think. So Jumbo did the lead out into the base of the Paderberg. Asger and Benji, the opposite to last year, he had to fight into the yeah. base of the Paderberg, fighting for position, and he's not entering it on wow to wheel. So yeah, I think was, that was the pivotal moment. I agree, but I think it was intriguing because a good 200 meters before the uh Paterberg, he looked into the worst position ever. And at that point, he like switched through to two riders. I was able to position himself in fourth place. But then another Yumbo rider took the corner wider, causing him to have to like go slower at the foot of the Paterberg than to the two Yumbo riders at the front, which was Wout Fanat and Laporte. And then it became very clear that there were two stronger riders at that point, And Asgreen had to come from third on the Paterberg again. We saw that Wout Fanard was the one doing the hammering. Laporte was able to follow. Benoit was dropping through the group. And what was happening with Osgren? He's caught behind Gomai. Gomai lost the wheel. He'd been following a lot of attacks earlier. Um, and I think it cost him a little bit. A still great ride from him. And yeah, Wout was gone clear. He had a five-meter gap on Laporte. And this was like Paris East Stage 1 all over again, just minus Roglic. Two Yumbo riders go clear over the Paterberg with <laughs> Wout, I think, looking behind just over the top, seeing Laporte a bit off his wheel and wading up. And then those two were working. And they, they already had a good gap over the top of like 10 seconds. And I think Seneschal had had a mechanical. I I think he would have not have been any use on the Paterberg anyway. I don't think that mechanical changed the race really in any big way. Um, and Immediately, I was like, this is with 45 k's to go in the in the race at the top of the Paderberg. <laughs> Immediately, I was like, the race is over. Because Asgren's been worked a little bit before the Paderberg. He's no, already not looking as strong on the cobble climbs anyway. The group is going to lean on him to chase on the flat tarmac sections. He's going to want to conserve a little bit. And he did pull for a while. All the other teams with two riders, Madouaz and Kung for FDJ, Van Balen, Narvaez for Ineos, they were all, they just went fully, full gas, maximum one minute effort, and still got dropped. So they're not going to help. And then you have two guys clear, both strong as hell, pulling at threshold. So it's just never coming back, ever. Yeah, certainly. And we saw that when you see that group and one rider goes to the front, I don't know which specific rider it was, and then the second rider kind of sits in his wheel at the moment that he should be relaying, taking over. Well, then you know that if one rider does that, another will do it eventually, and then another rider will do it, and then attacks start coming left and right, and then the group doesn't work together anymore too well. And yes, Asgren, Kung, and Madhuwa were still riding quite a bit. Madhuwa even attacked on the outer quadrimon towards the end quite a bit. But... uh in all honesty, it was looking like those two riders were in the clear at that point that the, and that the race would be won by one of those two riders. Yeah, it was insane. Having two riders go clear with 45Ks to go after lining it up with 75 on the Timeberg with just destroying the field. And yeah, I think eventually the group behind you just see them rolling in rotation. The gap goes to a minute, a minute 30, a minute 40, a minute 50, <laughs> a minute 50. 
with like 15Ks to go. And now the question was, what would Yumbo do in the sprint? In the end, cut to the chase. They roll across the line, this time with no primos. So they actually do the finished photo. Remember, Paranese Roglic like veered across to the left. <laughs> he nearly crashed on the finish line. They make that right and roll across the line. And I couldn't tell who'd won. And I'm not sure what the plan was. In the end, Wout van Aert wins. He didn't give it to Laporte. Same time as Laporte with Kung taking third on a minute 35. He attacked the group really, really late, and it finally worked. Good to see him get third. Go my fourth. Moritz, Manawaz, Narvaez, Banote, Van Baal, Asgren, 10th. And Sturven actually got dropped from that group. Um, so bad day for Trek. Pedersen gone by Tyenberg and Sturven dropped from G2. My question is, Benji, Jumbo Visma, Wampanak, gifted Laporte stage one of Paranese. Should he have gifted it? Should they have sprinted? What should they have done and why? <laughs> Well, I don't think they should have sprinted against each other because that would be weird. Even though it would be funny for us as the viewers, we'd enjoy that. But you say, Pioneers, let's talk about it. They go to the line with three riders. Roglic didn't need it because he was going for GC. We have Wout Fanat in that situation. Laporte was the one to give that in his French home country. That's a perfect way to get his uh, domestique work for life for that team. So they gifted that there. That's understandable, gifting it to Laporte there. That's the way to go in that race. But then we come to E3. It's a Belgian race. I think a Belgian winner has not uh, won here in the Belgian National Championship jersey since 1960 somewhere. So that's a pretty cool stat to win. And I don't think they were thinking about that. But let's say that they decide to gift it to Laporte. How much of the Belgian population will be annoyed by the fact that Laporte stole the victory of Wout van Aert today. <laughs> I think that would have been, been the narrative, yeah, because Wout could have dropped him and Wout waited for him on the climbs. Like Wout was way stronger on the climbs and in that sense, it, it wouldn't really make sense to gift it to Laporte. Like Wout created the split on Tyenberg. Wout created the split on Paderberg. Wout was pulling full gas in between the climbs. That being said, I would have liked to have seen them sprint for it. Just to let us know what what Wout Sprint would have been like before Tour of Flanders. Let's get some data on what Wout Sprint would have been like before the, the big dance. And I think that would have been more sponsor exposure. Don't you think? That would have blown up on social media. That wow. you, we, we never see it. We never see that. And now it's just like, oh, nice. They cross the line together. Domination. Yeah, you're still. It's a big, big event. But no. that could go mega viral. Yeah, that's true, but what I would have done is I would have had Laporte drop Wout on purpose on the Tichemberg, just fake dropping, just to like get everybody on social media tuned up, and then later he just scrolls back to, to, to Laporte and they just ride over the line together again in the same way, just to like make that hype a bit more. But we're now uh, talking about different narratives here. In the end, Wout van Aert was getting that victory. I honestly think it's the good decision to give it to Wout in this situation, partially for that narrative we just spoke about with the Belgians being happy about it. I would have found it funny, but the rest of the Belgians would not have. And next to that, it's also the fact that I think you want to give him some some confidence and make sure he's got some results on the platter already. He has never won E3 before, so I think he wants to take them off on his Palmares as well, Wout van Aert. Okay, that's a a nice decision to have for Yumbo. 
although it sounds like pretty obvious, really, I'm being silly, like it should go to Wout. More difficult decisions, worse situations. Wow. How did, how did Betty all say it? Where is Quickstep, huh? Where are Quickstep? What's going on with Quickstep? This is like... If you watched these two races side by side, 2021 versus 2022, is that the year we're in? Yeah. It's like night and day, the difference between Asgren in group with multiple riders, four riders in a group of nine. Here is Solo closing with four Yumbo riders with 80Ks to go. What's, is this just – Is it? I know it, it is difficult to be – overly critical of teams at the moment. I've actually been holding back a little bit because there's so much sickness, so many injuries. Is that the explanation for this, Benji? Or, or what? Because why are they such a different team to last year? I think that we can even go more extreme in saying that Quickstep today was the Yumbo Visma of last year, a solo leader having to do everything himself in a race. And Yumbo today was Quickstep of last year, even when it comes to the attack on the Thienberg and so forth, just very similar behavior in that sense, being in the front group with multiple riders, outnumbering the others, and there's a quick, like, it's clear that it just switched around between this year and last year. Now, why is that? I'd argue it's mixed. I think that Jumbo Visma has strengthened their team clearly with Tijbenot and Laporte, like, without those two, who is still without Fanat after the Thienberg? And then you've got an issue. Nathan von Hoydonk, perhaps, I'd argue. Mike Turnitin's positioning is a bit of an issue, I'd argue, before climb, so I don't think he would have been there. And then we look at the fact that Quickstep, like you said, has had to struggle with a lot of illnesses. Like other teams, I'd argue that Yumbo has had somewhat the least of those from all the teams. Definitely. And Quickstep with Lampard being ill a few times and now not being at the start line as a consequence. We know that uh, Ballerini wasn't looking too good for a while. We know that the Klerk also an issue there, that he was off the bike now for the entirety due to that heart issue. And the fact that the likes of uh, Steimler is tuning up and Stan Steels, those riders, Anonorid, who didn't start today, for example, like that's six riders to start with instead of like seven. And to be honest, Steimler and Steels are not going to be the riders that do it here at E3 for a quick step. No offense to those riders, they're good riders, but not to be in the final of these races. So who do you have left? Seneschal, Stibar, Asgren, and Ballerini, who hasn't been looking that great this year. So Stibar, it's it's one or the other for him in a few races, and it doesn't seem like today he was anywhere. And no. Seneschal was looking decent, but I feel like he's that kind of cobble rider that is better suited for Roubaix than he is for the Hill Classics. Am I wrong in that? Well... I mean, last year he was like second wheel going into Tyneberg yeah. attacking with Asgren. But the difference is, and this is probably a flow-on effect from No de Klerk, they're entering the Tyneberg in bad position. So then there's no slip room. So like yeah. when Seneschal enters in the front, Asgren attacks over the top of him. Seneschal can do the climb two seconds slower and still fit, crest the climb with the group of nine. Whereas Wout was the opposite last year. He starts 10 wheels back. He has to do the whole climb two seconds faster than Seneschal and, and Asgren. And so maybe that's a de Klerk issue. Without him there, they're not able to control, not able to be in the base of climb as well. And Steimler just can't do that job the same way. 
Yeah. I think that I've got a potential solution for next year. Obviously, the illness is just something that needs to be fixed automatically. You can't just like expect that to be fixed. But I think when it comes to transfers, there are options on the market. Yumbo did great when it comes to Laporte and Benoit. But what if Quickstep signs Anthony Turgi next year? He's out of contract. Why not? Maybe Campanats. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know who's out of contract. But they do need to... Stibar's aging out. They need to stock up on some classics guys. They. It also must be said, we haven't mentioned who I think was the biggest X factor in the Cobble Classics for them last Alaphilippe. year. Alaphilippe. He, the world champion. He's not doing the Cobble Classics this year because he's wanting to focus on Liège, winning that finally. And Tour of Flanders. He's one of two with Asger in a group of four, four or four or five in the finale. He's attacking in envelope and then leading out the sprint. Any, I'm not sure if he did E3 or not. Um, they're missing him because he's their, one of their best riders. So Asgren Solo, I don't know how strong he was today. Pretty strong, but it's wow. a whole different ball game when they can't ride um, the quick step way. Like with no sprinter, with like Asgren, ah, he beat MVP in a sprint. But you know what I mean? It's, it's, yeah. They're looking like a different team. Do you expect this to turn around by Flanders? It's in a week and, and it's in like nine days. I don't expect Quickstep to turn around in that way, but I do think that the addition of other favorites into the race in the Tour of Flanders, like Vanderpool riding that race, like a Pogacar riding that race, who I consider with one of the outsiders of that race, certainly, then I'd argue that Jumbo will have a much harder time, which will allow opportunities for riders like Algren to benefit from that. So I think it's more because Jumbo will have a harder time winning RVV in the same way that they did today. And as a consequence, the outsiders can benefit from that. Does that make sense? Definitely. You think, you know, MVDP is there in the group on the Tyenberg today. It's just another man to cover Benoit when he slips off the front or to pull or to help Asgren or to Mark Van Aert. Maybe Vanderpool doesn't lose Laporte's wheel and then that brings the group back together. Maybe he snap closes it over the top of the Paderberg and that helps Asgren. All these sort of things... Like MVDP not being here and not being at Omelette, yeah. it certainly makes life a lot easier for Jumbo Visma. And yeah, but otherwise, we, we I want to talk about MVDP just quickly. We have Gent Wevelhem on the weekend. I think it's on Sunday from Ypres to Wevelhem. And Van Aert's lining up at that as well, apparently. He won this last year in a 10-man sprint ahead of a lot of other sprinters. And it's solo second. Jakobsen's there. Ballerini. Pedersen, who had a shocker today for Trek. Do you think it's going to be a similar race last year? I think it. I think it's going to be a sprint. When I look at who's been brought from all the teams, Quickstep, Yumbo, Bike Exchange, UAE, Trek, all want sprints. Yeah, I think it kind of depends on the wind and the mooden, which is that echelon section before we get to the bergs, the, the little hills in Kentwevelgem. But based on the weather that I've seen in the last week here in a Belgium, I don't considering a, a big possibility that echelons happen, but hey, weather can change by the day, so perhaps it might still change, perhaps we'll see crazy echelons, I hope so, but I kind of fear that it's going to be more of a uh, a sprinty type race, and in all honesty, like I think Yumbo will have to make that race relatively hot, knowing that they've got pure sprinters on that race, they will need to light up those hills if they want a sprint for their sprinter, you know? If they go to the finish with a group of 30 with Jakobsen having three men and Demar and Co and Groenewegen, 
that's not good chances or good odds for Wout. So, but then do they want him? Do they want to make the race really, really hard and light it up before Flanders? I don't know. Um, they've brought it looks like the sprint team. Maybe they do what they did at Kerner Benji and they drop him out and they let Laporte have a chance um, after they did it on loop, but probably not. Uh, it, it is. They'll probably try and crosswind. So that would make the most sense. Campanats, hopefully he gets a bit more luck today. We forgot to mention he had a mechanical and the bike change took about three minutes before the quarter key. So that was his race over. Otherwise, Volta Catalonia hasn't finished yet and it's a sprint stage. So we disrespected it. We'll let you know the results <laughs> of that when we're doing the stage six recap tomorrow. But in Italy, a race has finished, which we weren't able to watch because there's no television coverage. Matthew van der Poel, won that stage, perhaps knowing Wout was solo ahead of Hayter and Remy Mertz and Dion Smith and Mick Van Dyke, it was a hilly race at Seti Mane, Internazionale Coppia Bartoli, uh, the second last stage, stage four. You've gleaned what happened from Twitter, Benji. Like, what exactly happened? Yeah, this comes from Sporza, so credit to them for uh, explaining how the race went as we don't have live coverage, but... There was a descent of a bigger climb at the stage with roughly 70 kilometers to go. And Mathieu van der Poel decided to attack the elite group or peloton at that point, bridging towards a breakaway. And wasn't that breakaway for the majority of the race from that point onwards. And it took until five kilometers to go for the peloton to actually catch up to your boy Mathieu van der Poel in the front group. And they went to the sprint. And what happened in that sprint? Well, um, yeah, van der Poel still won. <laughs> Yeah, sounds like Amstel Gold 2019, no, reverse. So he was in the full saying position of Amstel Gold 2019, got caught one sprint anyway. Anyway, Hater beat him in the sprint the other day. Um, But yeah, hopefully some footage comes through of that and I don't know, maybe there'll be highlights somewhere. It sounds crazy. It's a shame. It's a really big shame that there's these races with MVP doing crazy things and we can't really see it. But that's all from us today. E3, let, let's not get too overexcited. Let's not get too overworked. Would you rather win Tour of Flanders or Omloop, E3, and Kent Vavelhem combined? Every, I think Quickstep want Flanders, Yumbo want Flanders. It's the Tour de France of one-day races, except that's actually Paris-Roubaix, so that doesn't make sense. So <laughs> it's a big race, and I think... <laughs> E3 doesn't necessarily mean that Yumbo are going to clean it up. Hopefully they don't because it'll make for more exciting viewing in the last hour. But that's all from us today. We'll see you at the Catalonia recaps tomorrow. Ciao.